0: Box and Bob are in there. You see, we put this open contract to anybody that has been in the ring wearing a pair of tights, and so far we got nothing. And then we got a bunch of cowards that say, "Oh, we don't want nothing to do with Hot Rod and Box and Bob. We don't want nothing to do." Ugh. Bozo visits the zoo, my goodness! Are you kidding? Are you trying to tell me that you have come out here because you want to don the boxing gloves? Are you trying to tell me, Bozo, while you... You're still...
1: yeah. You know something, Ronnie Piper? I would love to climb in the ring with boxing, Bob Orton. You don't know. You just don't know how much I'd love to box his ears in. But you know something, you've got an open contract, man. And I've got a very good friend who made me make one promise. He said, Hulkster, no matter what you do. Wait,
0: wait, you you have a friend?
1: Yeah, i got a very good friend. Something you don't know much about. Well, you know, the thing is, Mr. Piper, this friend of mine begged me, whatever you do, Hulkster, get a match with Boxing Bob Orton. And you do have an open contract, right? Yes, anybody, contract.
0: Yes, anybody any damn buddy that wants to box, anybody that wants to box, Box and Bob, can box it. You can sign I don't give a damn whose name you put on there. You sign it. He'll fight them. <laughs> Mr. T. I
1: pity.
2: Hello,
3: everybody, and welcome. It is Shake Them Ropes, episode 98. Rob McCarran with Jeff Hawkins. It is Tuesday, the first full week of August. Uh, we are upon it as we head into the fall in a lot of areas, but we got some bad news, Jeff, on Friday. Uh, just weeks after the passing of Dusty Rhodes, we heard about the passing of WWE legend, Roddy Piper Rowdy Roddy Piper has died at the age of 61 today on the show Jeff and I are going to discuss our memories of Roddy Piper what he uh, was in wrestling to us and go through some of the past moments and coincidentally uh, enough or not Jeff our match our top 100 network match that was scheduled for today we previewed it last week Greg the Hammer Valentine against Rowdy Roddy Piper the collar match from Starcade 1983. we're going to discuss that match too, uh, because that that's the match that we have up. and it's it's weird, Jeff, how how these coincidences have happened where we get a match and it kind of corresponds to what's happening in the news. Um, this is another one. Uh, when Dusty Rhodes passed, our, week, our match after uh, that passing was a Dusty Rhodes match. Uh, money in the bank came and we were talking about a money in the bank match. Like we didn't plan this. It just happens. but uh, your overall thoughts when you heard the news, Jeff. On the passing of uh, of Roddy Piper,
2: uh, definitely sad. Uh, I I met Roddy Piper in two thousand seven. I think it was at my comedy improv theater. He was there watching a show, and then later, a couple weeks later, they made him do monologues and stuff. And it couldn't have been a nicer guy um, to to just a bunch of you know <laughs> grown men who were wrestling fans growing up. Um, I think he's extremely undervalued in the history of the WWF WWE especially uh, because without him uh, the first two WrestleManias are not successes without Roddy Piper being the bad guy you love to hate and there were f- there are a few guys who did that job as as well as he did and who ran their mouth as as good as he did and the the other thing I I always take away from Roddy Piper's Career is is he he really overachieved, especially given that this is kind of a WWE-centric show. Um, he was brought in originally, basically to be kind of a mouthpiece who bumped for guys, and then eventually became a main event player. Uh, I may be wrong on that. That that's kind of the it's kind of the WWE history storyline that that Piper will tell, but um, but no one can deny that. He, You know, given his size, especially if you watch his early stuff and him going into the WWE and then eventually becoming Hogan's main foil for WrestleMania one and, you know, WrestleMania two for his friends. And then even within a lot of the mass marketing stuff or like rock and wrestling, which a lot of people learned about Roddy Piper through that way or the brawl to settle it all on MTV and whatnot, really over you know overproduced in terms of what people originally thought his potential was going to be and just the the things the legacy he left in terms of you know the first real heel talk show that WWE still uses the trope today with guys um the sketches I mean, and and piper was just fearless that's the other thing i really really remember he was fearless about and and sometimes to his detriment in hindsight you know going racial going sexual, uh, saying what was on his mind at that moment in terms of ad-libbing and and whatnot. Uh, There are a few better promos in terms of stream of consciousness than Roddy Piper.
3: Yeah, we're going to uh, play some of the promos uh, throughout this show. Um, Of course, your memories go back a little bit uh, more. On Roddy Piper than mine do. Again, as anyone who's heard this show for a few episodes knows that I started watching wrestling in the uh, in the late '90s. You know, during the Monday Night War, uh, I was watching the WWF and WCW. So my first memories of Roddy Piper are his run in WCW. Like I remember okay the first wow one. yeah it, well that's because that's when I started watching it. Like I would go on to know okay you know as I'm watching Roddy Piper on WCW Nitro, like obviously I would go and remember or I look into the past stuff and, you know, became quite familiar with his, his early, uh, you know, run in the WWF and whatnot. But I mean, my first experience as a 12 year old kid is I'm watching this a little bit older guy, Roddy Piper on the show with the older guys like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And he's, he's running around all the main eventers. So I immediately saw Roddy Piper as a main eventer because he was mm. a pretty big deal on WCW nitro. And he was an interesting quirky character, uh, but, yeah, as far as the WWF stuff, that came later. But my memories first off on Roddy Piper were from WCW. I mean, that's just because that's when I started watching. All, a lot of my first wrestling memories are from WCW because that was the first promotion I watched. Okay. So if there was a guy who was big in WCW, that's where I saw him first. And then you go back and watch the Ric Flair stuff. Uh, from the territories and from WWF and whatnot, then you go back and watch the Hulk Hogan stuff, but I'm not a 12 year old kid looking at, you know, mid eighties tapes of Roddy Piper. So the first, the first stuff I knew was Roddy Piper, the quirky guy, the main eventer on all the shows, you know, coming in and going out like Roddy Piper was always sparingly used in WCW. In my memory, it was so weird because he would come in for a couple of big events and then he would be gone for a while. He'd come in and be gone for a while.
2: I could see you kind of going, well, what's the big deal about this guy then? Because that's how I always felt every time they kind of used Piper when they kept bringing him back over and over as a surprise guest or whatnot and kind of wearing out his welcome in both WWE and WCW. I I could see you kind of being... Yeah,
3: but what would happen is, you know, okay, the first match, I uh, I remember vividly of watching WCW because I came in in the mid to late 1997, uh, he came in, and in the middle of the NWO versus Sting stuff, like a couple of months after Lex Luger had beaten Hulk Hogan for the title and then lost it back to Hogan, Hogan was in a program with Roddy Piper, and they did okay. the match at Halloween Havoc, the cage match. Yes. <laughs> Where Roddy, yeah, but you know, as a kid, I don't care about what's good right. and what's bad match. You know, I'm right. 12 year old, so I'm, I'm watching the big stars. That's and that's why I was a WCW fan first, I think, is because you know, my brother started watching it. My dad knew who all the stars were in WCW, but didn't know any of the guys in WWF. So I'm watching WCW. And Roddy Piper is in the main event of the first pay per view, I remember, against Hulk Hogan, and he beat Hulk Hogan, who was never beaten. So my first memory of Roddy Piper is the guy who comes in and beats Hulk Hogan. And then Hulk Hogan goes on to his program with sting. So, and that's why Roddy Piper always right off the bat. It's the same reason why Jeff Jarrett's a big deal to me because Jeff Jarrett was a big deal when I first started watching. Well, Roddy Piper was a big deal when I first started watching.
2: Okay. My first exposure to Piper as a wrestler was the build, the WrestleMania one where, you know, he and Hogan and and the Saturday night's main event and, and those kinds of of things where he's the main bad guy. He's kind of aligned with Paul Orndorf, I believe at the time. And then later Bob Orton Jr. Of course. And, and that team blows my mind. When you think about his past in Crockett, I had seen him once in Crockett, I think before he left, I wasn't a regular wrestle, wrestling watcher at that time, maybe flipping channels. I remember that. And I had been already firmly entrenched in you know, Jim Crockett promotions by the time I had come over to WWF. So I, you know, I kind of viewed, I kind of viewed the WWF as kind of hokey, kitty crap, you know, cartoonish over the top stuff, but you couldn't deny that, <laughs> that Piper was at least an engaging character to watch with his mouth. Yeah. Especially. And you knew that he was a big deal because they were focused. I mean, again, they focused when rock and wrestling came out and Ronnie Piper's the main bad guy in that show. And you're like, wow. Okay. So he's, he's the guy here. He's the guy that they're going to center, that that's going to make Hogan the big hero here. So I'm old enough, you know, I'm kind of at that, I believe, 12-year-old range, the same age you are or were when you started watching WCW, when I get my first kind of exposure to WWF, because you couldn't get WWF where I was except for Saturday Night, Lo- or Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night's main event and stuff. It just wasn't in syndication where I lived, and I didn't have cable at the time. So I mean that's that's what I remember. I remember you know the partnership with Orndorff that eventually uh, fell apart, and then later the, the 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 one that he's more famous for, the Piper Orton dynamic, uh, with Orton as his, as his bodyguard. Which which again I'll say is weird because at going back and doing research for '83 match, um, Orton was was one of the the main henchmen on the heel side, and he was kind of like the opposite number of Piper on the face side, and I remember. When I started to get into wrestling and I started watching Crockett a lot more and I wanted to do more, you know, go back and, you know, when they had video stores <laughs> and you could go and you could pick up a compilation tape from either Coliseum or from Crockett video and, and popping in Starrcade 83 for the first time and seeing Greg Valentine and Ronnie Piper. And it's like, oh, OK, I know those guys from, you know, <laughs> Valentine's the guy on the dream team with Brutus beefcake and, and Piper is, is, is Hogan's foil and watching that match and going, where are those guys on my TV every week instead of doing this stuff. But you know, that didn't really, that more made me respect Greg Valentine than, than shade Piper. Cause Piper was always great and just always just such a brat eel who ran his mouth and would troll Hogan to death. And Mr. T especially, I mean, he, that's the other lasting legacy is he made Mr. T look like a million bucks in that feud. Just. Yeah. When I
3: was, uh, I mean, when I was younger, so we're talking the late nineties is, and you talk about going to video stores and getting tapes of past shows. Like I would go do that too. And because the blockbuster here would have, you know, late eighties, WWE pay-per-views and, you know, early nineties stuff, not really any WCW stuff, but they would have, you know these pay-per-views where i would look at the boxes and look at the matches listed and i would see guys like Ted DiBiase in matches and you know Ted DiBiase was a manager in WCW so i'm like okay i know that guy you would see Jerry Lawler matches you would have under early undertaker matches uh Sergeant Slaughter who was the commissioner in WWE at the time so i'm like i see all these guys on tv now so i want to go see when they were wrestling and you know, Roddy Piper was one of those guys, Ric Flair. like You see all these guys in the late 90s who were big stars in the late 80s, early 90s, and I wanted to go see their stuff. So that's kind of like the first wave when I would go back and look at old stuff. It's because there was a connection there to what was currently ongoing on my TV. These were okay. characters I already knew a little bit of, so I would go back and watch their older stuff. You know, generally, I wasn't going back to watch like the Coco Beware matches because he wasn't currently a a wrestler <laughs> on TV. So I'm I'm just going back to see the history of guys who were currently on TV, and you know that's what started me watching the older stuff. And then you know, as the internet progresses, you find it more easily uh, capable of going out to find older stuff on really anyone in wrestling. Um, I think that's why I kind of like NXT so much now because instead of having to wait for someone like Seth Rollins to be a big star in WWE and then go back and watch the old stuff. Like I can watch their old stuff now. Like I'm watching the old stuff of a great of a Chad Gable, for example, say he's a big star in five years. I already see the old stuff of Chad Gable. So I, it, it's kind of one of those fun things for you, but going back and watching the old stuff of Roddy Piper, you know, it, it was fun because Roddy Piper was in there with the biggest stars. He was in there with the main event, of WrestleMania. He was in there with Mr. T, who was a colorful character who, you know, kids knew about at my age. Uh, so, Roddy Piper was one of those characters that you could watch the current stuff of, be entertained by, but then you really go and see the magic that he created. And you're right, sometimes he was a little, you know, socially risque, if you will. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was trying to be the bad guy. He was trying to get everyone in that arena to hate him. He was not
2: afraid of cheap heat. Yes.
3: Yes. You did not have Twitter and you did not have all the political correctness of today because Roddy Piper and Roddy Piper, I think would work today because, you know, he worked pretty well doing uh, promo work in the new WWE as he was a WWE legend coming in, but it may not have been to the same effect because he couldn't have done everything he did. Currently in WWE, and it's impossible to say who would work now and who would be a superstar back in the day and so forth. All we know is Roddy Piper was a superstar. He's a big name. He's the whole wrestling world uh, took a step back when Roddy Piper died. He was a mainstream news story when Roddy Piper died. I mean, there were sports talks to shows nationwide talking about Roddy Piper, Uh, entertainment shows talking about Roddy Piper, Variety covering the death of Roddy Piper because he was a big multicultural phenomenon there in the mid 80s.
2: Yeah, he was a multimedia guy. He, you know, They Live is a great movie. If you've never seen it, um, it's it's fantastic. It's probably one of John Carpenter's best. Um, have you seen it? No, I have not. Okay. Oh, please go out of your way and go see it. it it's awesome. It, it's it's. I, I won't do the blow by blow here, but it's basically um, aliens have inhabited the Earth, and the only way you can see them is these sunglasses that Roddy Piper has. <laughs> so he he goes to take down this system of aliens infiltrating our earth and and it's great and violent and, and awesome sauce. But, uh, I, I'd be remiss to not mention, of course, you know, you look at the guys that they put and they knew, I think once Piper established his mouth, when he was managing Orndorf and Dr. D David Schultz, that they could put him with guys that didn't have that kind of charisma that had kind of that quiet charisma. Yeah to put it because we'd be remiss if we didn't mention of course the coconut shot heard around the world with jimmy snooker and my brother was a huge snooker fan Mm -hmm. even though he could never see him it was every time there was a tape with snooker on him we had to get it and of course every time you showed the (laughs) snooker the you have snooker on a tape you show the piper's pit where he gets hit with the coconut stuff you put him with a mr t who didn't want to sell a fight or 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 had an image was very image conscious hogan was very image conscious so so, so as as image conscious and and tightly controlling of their image that they were, and as not as great of a promo as, say, an Andre or a Snuka could be, you throw in a Piper in there who has the gift of gab. And let me tell you something, doing research for our match today that we're going to go over later, that 83, that gift of gab, it, it floors me watching the, his old stuff because he has two kinds of promos in there. He he has kind of the quiet one where he starts kind of, he's kind of playing with his hand going a little passive aggressive. And then every time he needs to take a break, you know, I have this, this involuntary response where I'll say, you know, if I'm trying to think on my feet and I don't really have a path, but I'm trying to get the information in my head so yeah. I can stall. Mm-hmm. He does something cool where he just kind of, he, he chuckles a bit when he yeah, has that moment and he just keeps going and going or when he starts on his very you know, when he's in that that high stakes, you know, when he when he's when he's going, when when <laughs> to use an A-team reference, when he's on the jazz, you know, when, when he's you know in full psychotic mode, he has kind of a moment between every beat where he kind of hyperventilates a little you know, like that, and, and just keeps going. And and his ability to to have a continuous promo while thinking on his feet. And improvising, like he'll find, he'll have an object in his pocket and he'll start riffing on that, kind of like how Macho Man used to do in his early WWF days as well. And just go for like three minutes on a promo like that without ever, you know, taking a break or umming or losing his train of thought is so undervalued when we're talking about the legacy of Roddy Piper. And he also, he kind of has that Dusty Rhodes type of thing where... His character outside the ring was so compelling and so larger than life. And so him, by the way, whether it be face or heel, he only tweaked it a little bit, which is why he had such a long-lasting career. But it didn't necessarily match having great matches in the ring, per se. He doesn't have a long litany of fantastic matches. He's a guy, pre-WWF at least, that looked believable in a scrap because that was his life, you know, being put out on streets and basically being raised by wrestlers all his life. He 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 can make that believable, but he doesn't have a large work rate catalog, per se.
0: Well, hello there. <laughs> a lot of people been asking me uh, why is all of a sudden did Roddy Piper uh, leave Atlanta? <laughs> Uh, they said that I got beat up in a parking lot. You see, the reason I left was I got fired. <laughs> and you say, well, now why did he get fired? <laughs> well, it goes like this. You see, I came out of a match one time, <laughs> and I went in the parking lot, and there was Buzz Sawyer and Ivan Kolov. <laughs> Come up and boom, outside my head came Buzz Sawyer. <laughs> and down I went and boom Kolov. <laughs> so I says to myself, I said, says I self-I says, I went back and I got my friend Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. T. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Stands for tire iron. <laughs> I went back there and I made Adam Kolok look like a horny toad. Bongada, <laughs> bongada. Last thing I saw, I looked and there was Buzz Sawyer. Turned around, and I looked and all of a sudden the place was full of police. Says, "Boy, you going to jail?" I figured it was time to leave, <laughs> being a sensible fellow. Now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, get a call from one of my best friends, Tommy Rich. Says they got some guys running roughshod up there. Buzz Sawyer again. And bragging around, <laughs> typical, <laughs> Says, uh, takes Tommy's, uh, Tommy Rich down and takes a belt with Wild Bill Irwin, or, uh, the Buffalo Bill of wrestling. You see, I ain't personally ever been Buffaloed. Uh, takes Tommy Tommy Rich down, starts whacking him with a belt, uh, uh, with a whip. Uh, you see, now myself, uh, when Tommy Rich says he'd like a little help as a tag team partner, I'm more than happy to oblige, and uh, I just kind of like uh, to get hit a bit. Uh, you see. When it comes right down to it, Bill Irwin and Buzz Sawyer, Bill Irwin comes out in this big cowboy hat with a whip and Buzz Sawyer. Um, roof, roof, where I come from, we dogs <laughs> An Englishman. You see, where I come from, it's as simple as this. I've seen a lot of men buried wearing a $5 Stetson brother
3: <laughs> and carrying a five buck gun. <sighs> yeah, when I look at Roddy Piper and I try to put him in context of other stars that are uh, you know, from that same era and what we're going to remember most about people, because as far as name power in pro wrestling, I mean, Roddy Piper, as far as the eighties to now would go, Roddy Piper's in the top 10, don't you think as far oh, as yeah. who's mainstream uh, recognizable? So you look at a guy like Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan's going to be recognizable for the troubles he's gone through ever since he was a full time wrestler. Maybe. Yeah. But as far as wrestling goes, Hulk Hogan's most memorable moments were in the ring. You know, whether it was his in-ring matches with Randy Savage, whether it was the slam of Andre the Giant, whether it was WrestleMania 1, you know, and his WCW stuff with Ric Flair, with Goldberg, WWF stuff later on with The Rock in the ring. Hulk Hogan was most memorable for stuff he did in the ring. That's how he became a big star. We talked about when Dusty Rhodes passed away that you may not have those most memorable matches with Dusty Rhodes. But you have all the recognizable moments from Dusty Rhodes outside right. the ring, whether it was his his classic promos, whether it was stuff that he did with his sons on WWE lately, whether it was, you know, being a, being a ring announcer or an authority figure, whatever the case may be, most of his memorable stuff was his promos before the matches. And you don't really have that classic set of matches to go look at Roddy Piper. In a way, aside from the WrestleMania one match being so uh, popular, Roddy Piper is kind of more towards the Dusty Rhodes category. Is he not where you remember him for the Piper's pit? You remember him for all the stuff that he did outside the ring because he was a flashy character. You remember him.
2: Yeah. You remember him for his quotes as well. You know, every time they have the answers, I change the questions, never bring a rock to a machine gun fight. Uh, those kinds of things and, and his promos, you know, the infamous painting himself half black, the Piper's pits where, where he and Ortner you know, shaving midgets or smacking around Frankie Williams, hitting the guy with a coconut. Um, even, even the one where he's, you know, even the ones where he's not directly involved. I mean, he, he's in he his, the one where uh, Andre finally turns heel and rips the chain off of yeah. Hogan's neck. Um, you remember him for that. And then after after that kind of brief three year period in the mid eighties, after he leaves, he's every time they need a jerk on screen, to 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 be a tough guy or to stand up to someone who's also a jerk, it, it's always bring in Roddy Piper for the big pop and the short stay, be it the Gold Dust feud later when when Razor Ramon couldn't do it, um, you know the, the 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 fight with Hogan when Hogan turned NWO and nobody from WCW would fight him. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those types of, you know, the Morton Downey jr thing at wrestlemania where they, he put the uh, fire extinguisher in his face and blew it up. Uh, those types of, of
3: moments. Yeah. I mean, you go from, he was kind of this way in the eighties, honestly, where he would come in for a big thing and then go away or not wrestle for a little bit. Um, in an important match. But really the 90s on, I mean, that was what Roddy Piper was. And especially when he got to WCW, I mean, like I said, I remember his WCW run and I remember him being in important things and then being gone for a while or not in important things. And then every once in a while, here's Roddy Piper back and it's a big deal. Um, well,
2: I think, and and in Piper's defense, I don't think he ever, I mean, once he left wrestling for acting, right? I think he wanted to be an actor because I remember, oh, yeah. you know, in addition to they live, I remember he did, you know, a, a few episodes arc on, on Highlander, the series, I think he guessed it on quantum leap as well. Uh, don't quote me on that one. I haven't gone into his IMDB of late, but I mean, he wanted to be an actor and he wanted to regularly work. And then when that dried up, he'd go back to wrestling for a short stint, but he never really wanted to stay all that long because that's, that was just the way he was. I right. mean, he, he, would wear out his welcome or something would, I mean, he'd leave at the first cha- at the first sign of something going wrong in the relationship. Before anybody could get one over on him, he'd leave, you know, say goodbye and say thank you. And then they, you know, it, it, but it also, it, it also kept his interest level up yep. in terms of, in terms of every time he came back, okay, he's fresh again, mm-hmm. which is a lesson not learned in today's wrestling because everybody's on TV every week on every show, sometimes twice a week.
3: Yeah. The, uh, I mean, the Piper thing, it, it's amazing, but you're right. He, he wanted to go into acting. He wanted to do something else. He was a guy that, you know, didn't want, to make wrestling the be all and end all of his money-making ways. And he would, he would go and do that, but he always had wrestling to come back to when, when something else didn't work out. And this was a guy that in the last couple of seasons of always sunny was still acting. He was, he would make cameos in always sunny in Philadelphia. He was doing all the movies. He was doing other TV shows. I mean, this is a guy who wanted to, he wanted to go into the acting and in looking up information again, because we're going to talk about the Hammer uh, Valentine versus Roddy Piper match from Starrcade 83. I was looking on on cage match and they have statistics of, you know, how many matches he had per year. And you can go back and look at all the matches. And I was really curious to see the matches in his WCW run because I, after 1992, the most matches he ever had in one year was 12 in 1999. So he was really gone as a full-time wrestler in 1992 yet still around for 23 years in and pro that, wrestling.
2: That 1999 run is kind of a it it's a blur for me cuz I was kind of lapsed at that time. Yeah. <laughs> So that was what Millionaire's Club or Magnificent well, Seven type. Yeah, we're thing? In, we're gonna talk about some of the matches he had in WCW because okay. that's
3: re- that's really where the point drives home about how he was in weird angles and weird match types. Like he would come back for something and then go away because it was it was a lot of craziness once Russo was kind of involved and and they used Piper in a different way. Uh, but yeah, 1992 was re- really his last full time year where he had 52 matches. I mean, he had one match in 1988. So after after the first couple of years of WrestleMania, which were his biggest years in pro wrestling, match-wise and work-wise, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of slowed down. I mean, he did you know 86 matches in 91, but then it was kind of in the 40 to 50 range all throughout there. So uh, yeah, 129 matches in 1984, 128 in 1985, and then 75 in 86. So his biggest years there from 83 80- 81 really, 81 to 92 were the prime of Roddy Piper uh, going through the WrestleMania age. Um, I, I mean, what do you, let's talk about, we'll, we'll talk about the late 90s WCW, but what about Roddy Piper of the last 10 years? I and mean, Roddy Piper would go all over the place. He would be on WWE TV, especially when they had the old school Raws, uh, he would be I mean, he made appearances in TNA. He made appearances, obviously, at the end of WCW. He was making indie dates all over the place. I mean, he was at Maryland Championship Wrestling a week ago doing a <laughs> Piper's Pit. This was a guy who was doing the indie dates. I mean, he was all over the place. And uh, I mean, what were your thoughts about the last 10 years and seeing Roddy Piper on WWE TV and more of a Piper's Pit to try and get the new baby face over?
2: I think they overused it a little bit as you know the guy that had some heft that would come out and basically get smacked around by you know a Miz type level heel or you know the one I I like remind me of this because I'm I'm my memory is a bit spotty offhand. He was in the Jericho program with Steamboat and 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 Snooker, right? He was he
3: was in the match.
2: That was awesome.
3: His last wrestling that one was
2: that one was great. That one was really really well done I thought and and they kinda You yeah, know, they kind of had the legends wear out their welcome then, too, because it wasn't that around. The, no, that wasn't around the time of Nexus. That was yeah. in the summer. It was a little before that.
3: Yeah, it was a little yeah. before uh, the Nexus. I, but but you're right. I mean, they would overuse because uh, when they were doing the old school Raws, it would always seem like the big stars they were always bringing back were Dusty, Roddy Piper, and Ric Flair. Yeah. And those are the three names that you were going to see. on. And then all you'd have
2: the, and then you'd have the different guys who were punchlines in the back, like IRS or the Million Dollar Man right, or Nikolai now Yeah. Yeah
3: yeah, he was uh WrestleMania 25, uh, Ricky Steamboat, Jimmy Snuka and Roddy Piper against Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was his r- last WrestleMania match. Um, but yeah, he would do, I mean, he did a PWG show in 2011. Yes, he did. You know, he did PWG with a reunion battle Royal. He was doing, uh, he did matches. He did a kind of an MTV little uh, short match at, Uh, fan access back in 2011. So like a TV promotion deal. He
2: also also had to remember he had a bad hip. Oh yeah. No, he was going through a lot of,
3: a lot of health things, a lot, you know, just getting older. I mean, 2011, he would have been late fifties, you know, WCW when he was working, uh, those matches every once in a while, he was late forties. So, I mean, he was an older guy and a guy who lived through the harder period of times where wrestlers, you know, nowadays you might be able to go a little bit longer or maybe not just because of the schedule. Everyone does. But certainly he was working a hard schedule in the 80s. I mean, the matches may not have been up there in in count total. But still, I mean, dog collar matches for two months straight with, with you know, Greg Valentine where he was bleeding all over the place. I mean, hard yep. matches and stuff like that. So he's an then, older guy. Yep. But not, I, I'm looking his last WWE match. And I want to ask you if you remember this because I had to go back and watch it because I didn't remember it all. His last WWE match was against The Miz on yes, Raw.
2: Yes, I remember that one
3: where uh, the Miz and Alex Riley were Uh going up against each other now after WrestleMania, and Alex Riley is the guest referee, and Roddy Piper gets the schoolboy win interplaying in a feud with Miz and Alex Riley. So he won his last ever match on WWE TV. Mm -hmm. His last match, uh, what is this? Uh, Juggalo Championship Wrestling, I think?
2: Yeah, JCW.
3: Bob Orton and Roddy Piper against Mick Foley and Terry Funk.
2: Nothing wrong with that.
3: Roddy Piper. (laughs) I'd pay to see that. Yeah. Roddy Piper (laughs) getting the win on that one. So he won his last matches, but yeah,
2: that was the, that was the
3: older Roddy Piper. I mean, um, I, you know, the Royal Rumble 2008, which is one of my favorite Royal Rumbles of all time. Uh, you got the mystery return of John Cena at the end. You got Mick Foley in here, but also Jimmy Snuka and Roddy Piper in this match playing off their feud and the feud that everyone remembers just with the coconut shot uh Roddy Piper was a cool little entrance in there. You know, Roddy Piper was one of those guys that could come back, kind of like like a Mick Foley in the mid to late 2000s, although I don't know if he really would be now. Uh you would see Roddy Piper come back and it was just cool. You see the older people in the audience, they're like who are bringing their kids to pro wrestling who don't really follow it anymore, don't really care. they would go nuts over Roddy Piper.
2: Yeah, I, I remember in, in WWE I remember the Bad News Brown feud. <laughs> with Roddy Piper. Uh, The thing about the WCW run that annoyed me. And now looking back, I I see what they were trying to do was kind of genius, but over our heads. You know, I I know they brought him back to, to, to stand up to Hogan, which was fine, but they also brought him in. There was that three way war games where I think he was captaining one of the teams. Yes. And that was just unnecessary because you had, you know, it was WCW and the NWO. And then you had this Piper group and they were trying to play off the Piper Flare history and that was a little bit too old for the crowd even then. You know, 81, 82 type stuff and they kept him on top there as the spokesman because he was a presence but no one ever really made that connection with Piper and the history with that federation because there you know, the nostalgia then was, you know, Horseman, Dusty, Flare, Magnum type of stuff. It wasn't I mean, it wasn't you know, that pre dated 81, 82, that was still a little bit too old for everybody to remember. So looking back on it now, it was a genius type of move, but, or it wasn't genius, but it was, it was aiming high and missing completely.
3: Yeah. He he but, came,
2: but they never associated, but they also, when they brought him in, they never associated him with WCW all that much. It made him an outsider with his own outsider group. So it's yes. like, so it's faction wars again, which is a Russo staple that never, works
3: yeah he came into wcw and had immediately the match with hogan um you know at Starcade 1996 won that match and then lost the rematch at super brawl but that's immediately where he went into that triangle stuff that you were talking about whereas the nwo versus piper's group uh versus team wcw and whatnot and he would eventually go with the four horsemen but that was maybe one of his more famous angles in wcw as yeah. far as Roddy piper goes where he was on nitro and looking to build his team. So he brought in a bunch of no names and tried them out in the ring. Like he was doing little <laughs> tryout matches with these guys to see if they yeah. could be on their team. And that's where, you know, future horseshoe and WWE made an appearance. John, oh, Tenta, right. John Tenta was involved in this. Mm-hmm. One of those more famous angles that you remember from Roddy Piper. Uh, but we have these matches every once in a while. Like I said, the steel cage match at Havoc 97 is one that I remember because it's one of the first pay-per-views I really uh, I really, really remember even trying to watch or trying to get the information from in the 90s. Go on to feud with the NWO for a while, but also when he wasn't quite the main eventer anymore in WCW's eyes even. Bash at the Beach 1999. The boxing match with Buff Bagwell oh, trying to God. play up the boxing match Roddy Piper with had with, uh, had with Mr. T. He brought Mills Lane in to referee it. Uh, Roddy Piper and Buff Bagwell, and that was in the same area where, you know, Buff Bagwell was getting his mother involved in everything too. Um, <laughs> I, he did that match in July. He was gone for a while. Then he came back to do a little gimmick match with, you know, guys named Gerald and Patrick playing off of the Stooges and WWF, um, you know, who are the Harris brothers, I, you just had these weird things that Piper was doing because Vince Russo thought it was hilarious but I mean, that's what I remember as good or bad as it may be. My memories start with Roddy Piper with his time in WCW and then through all the video packages. Now the internet being prevalent, you can go back and watch Roddy Piper's old stuff. And now WWE Network you can go watch any old match in WWE from Roddy Piper. You want to is you get the, the full picture. And Roddy Piper's one of those guys where if you are a fan like me who started later, if you're a younger fan who's listening, who's big into the, the WWE now and John Cena is the biggest main eventer you know of. Roddy Piper's a guy worth going back and watching. Not only the promos that build up, but watch the match. I like Roddy Piper in the ring. I think he fits the role. He wasn't a fat yes. guy. He wasn't a guy who got over just on his promo ability and his character. No. This is a guy who looked like a tough guy who was going to beat you up. He's going to take yes. the kilt off, punch you in the face, and laugh at you while you cry.
2: Yes, he's from that generation of guys that if you saw them in a bar, you wouldn't want to get into a fight with. Because he legitimately looked like he could kick your butt, you know, the, the Dick Slater, Harley Race, Bob Orton's flares of the world, you know, Dory Funks of the world. I mean, you know, and and especially if you watch his early stuff where he's kind of scrawny and he's scrappy, you know, he, he's psychotic in the ring. He's absolutely psychotic in points in, in the Valentine match we watched. Um, for me, I'm always going to associate him with, of course, the Hogan program in WrestleMania one yeah. and, and in WrestleMania two. And then every time some midcard heel needed to come up, and it's because he was getting far too cocky. You'd hear the bagpipes play and everybody would get a get a get a pop out of it that that and it was kind of an overused trope by Vince. But hey, he he, he knew to give some guys a payday. So you can't hate on that.
3: Brian Klein through the email rob at voices of or you can tweet us at ShakeThemRopes. ropes. Brian Klein wanted to get his memory of Roddy Piper in. Uh, he says, Last year, Piper was on an indie show I went to see. He did a meet and greet and a Piper's Pit with Jake Roberts. Roddy seemed genuinely happy and excited to meet every single person in line. When it came to me, I told him that I'm a big fan of your work. Most of it was before my time or as I was a toddler, but I love watching all of your old content. He laughed and said, oh, really, before your time and pretended to choke me out for the picture. (laughs) Uh, The person running the line for the meet and greet then said, "Okay, Mr. Piper, time to move the line along. He said, "Ah, no, this guy needs more pictures. I've been to meet and greets where the wrestler just seemed to be going through the motions. But like I said earlier, Piper seemed excited and happy to meet everybody. And Piper seems like that kind of guy. If you if you said something that struck his chord, he would go with you for five minutes just in conversation. He seemed like that type Uh, of guy.
2: No, that was our my memory in two thousand seven when I met yeah. him. Uh, you know, he 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 was upstairs in the balcony of my theater and there were a bunch of guys who go, That's Piper. And you know, a couple you know, a lot of the women go, Who's that? It's, it's Roddy Piper. Who, who's that? Did you ever see They Live? You know, that's that was our first thing. Or we'd go WWF. But I mean he stayed there, he took pictures with everybody, he answered questions very and you know, just I think, you know, even to, to the point of almost being insulting to him, I think he, ha- happy someone knew who he was, even though he, I think he was wearing the Hot Rod T-shirt. <laughs> um, but it could have been a, more of a sweetheart. He wasn't standoffish at all, just inviting as if you had known him for a month or two, even though you'd never met him in your life.
3: Yeah. Woody page of the Denver post, um, ESPN released video of, uh, them taping around the horn and they were in between commercials when they just chat for a little bit. Uh And it was on Friday when Roddy Piper passed away. And Woody page tells a story about how they were walking down the street together. Woody page, uh, was covering like the AWA or NWA at the time. (laughs) And he was walking down the street to go get dinner with Roddy Piper. And a kid comes up to Roddy Piper and asks for an autograph. And Roddy Piper looked at him and spit at him and said, Get lost. And Woody Page asks, Why would you do that? This kid wanted an autograph. Roddy Piper explains, if that kid got an autograph, he would lose it the next day. But now, twenty years from now, he's gonna remember the time that Roddy Piper told him to get <laughs> lost.
2: <laughs> and I think Piper was probably a heel at the time. So yeah, you, you played the gimmick outside of outside of the ring. And that's awesome because I'm a huge I was, you know, when I w- could watched around the horn regularly of Loved Woody Page. Just the story of those two hanging out and the fact that Page covered wrestling fascinates me. (laughs) What do you, uh, WrestleMania
3: 19, Mm Safeco Field in Seattle, what's your biggest memory of WrestleMania 19? Like, what do you remember when you, when someone says WrestleMania 19, what do you first remember?
2: Either Brock Angle or the Arn Anderson running on the Undertaker Flair match. That's what I remember personally.
3: Undertaker Flair wasn't that show. That was 18.
2: Oh, well, then I don't remember much. Okay,
3: you remember <laughs> no, Brock? No, I, rem- I remember, remember Angle. I think people yeah. will will remember Brock missing the uh, shooting star shooting press. Star.
2: That's what. Yeah, that's that's if, the first memory. If you're
3: looking at moments, you're gonna remember missing the shooting star press. For me, that's the number one. The number two for me is Roddy Piper's return during Hogan and Vince. Huh? When he comes in in the black trench coat with the mask on. Roddy uh, Hogan and Vince are having this blood, blood, blood bath match. It's going crazy. And all of a sudden you see someone uh, going into the ring, eventually attacking Hogan and it unmasked to be Roddy Piper who hadn't been seen in WWE since the closing of WCW. He's got the white hot rod shirt on, you know, he's a little bit pudgier cause he had gone through his health problems and that safe co field crowd just went absolutely nuts. Like Roddy Piper, the moments, like he has a ton of them. But that's one of the top two things I remember from that WrestleMania 19. Mm. So Roddy Piper, WrestleMania moments galore in his career.
2: I'll have to go look at that one again.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think many people remember the Hogan-Vince match, really, except for the bloodbath aspect. But I would figure that if you ask someone and they said, yes, I remember that match, what's the moment they remember? It's Roddy Piper coming in and coming uh, to get his revenge on Hogan again. Because I, I think most people, you know, like, if there's one wrestler you put Roddy Piper in the ring with, like, who was Roddy Piper most associated with? With Randy Savage, I think most people would say Ricky Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Austin, most people would say The Rock. Is is it Hogan for Roddy Piper?
2: For Roddy Piper, it's Hogan. For Hogan, it's Andre the Giant. Yeah. But for, for Roddy Piper, it's definitely Hogan, um, if you're of that generation, Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and our top 100 match. So what we've been doing on shake them ropes, uh, ever since this list came out on wwe.com, they released their top 100 matches to see on WWE network. We are at match number 68 now. And the match this week, as we promoted last week was Roddy Piper versus Greg, the hammer Valentine, a non-title match. At Starcade 1983, mm-hmm. as Greg Valentine was the U.S. heavyweight champion of the N.W.A., a championship that he won from Roddy Piper earlier in the year, and how he won that would play into this match here. Uh, but we're going to talk about Starcade 83 for the second time now, because we already did Ric Flair and Harley Race, which is the main event of the show, as Starcade 83 was known as Flair for the Gold. So this is the second match we have from Starcade 83, Jeff.
2: Right, and... um the first Starcade. and this would be also the swan song of Piper and Valentine before going up north to the WWF. Um, after you know, I think after like a month or so, they 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 were eventually yeah, swept they, away by Vince. Yeah, they did this match, and then they had a couple more dog collar matches yeah.
3: elsewhere uh, in Canada, and they would be on the road for a little bit. But in January, yeah, they were. Yeah, they and, were gone. in
2: terms in terms of big event yep. stuff, this was the swan song for those two. Um, yeah, so Earl, I mean. Greg Valentine at the time, arguably the greatest United States heavyweight champion of all time. Uh, and and Piper had been feuding over this belt. And when Piper won the belt from Piper, when, when Valentine won the belt from Piper, it was due to a bell shot to the ear mm-hmm. that was bleeding that, and and <laughs> this match is great, I sent it to you, where where Piper not only is selling the ear, but his equilibrium being messed up. Yes which is awesome. And a a doctor stoppage awarded the uh, belt to Valentine. So Piper had been, you know, trying to get Valentine to fight him and Valentine had been ignoring him and stuff. And at the same time, more or less, he had been also working in Georgia, a feud with buzz Sawyer, the mad dog buzz Sawyer. And if you want to see wild promos back and forth throughout the year, Go watch those Georgia Buzz Sawyer, uh, Roddy Piper promos back and forth that that would be pre-taped back and forth on on the show. But, you know, eventually we have to start to build the Starcade. So Piper sends, (laughs) Piper's trying to think of a way to get Valentine in the ring, you know, straps, chains, whatnot. So he comes up with this idea. He, He sends Greg Valentine a cake with a dog collar in it. And Valentine goes absolutely nuts. <laughs> and then, the, and then a few weeks later, Piper shows up on on Worldwide to David Crockett, who is the greatest concern troll ever in terms of a of an announcer, and says, "Here, I'm. You know, I'm a big fan of Valentine. You know, I want you to give this gift to him from his, from from a big fan of his." And David Crockett, of course, all in because he wants to see the face when when Valentine opens the the box. And it's the dog collar connected to a chain. And Valentine just goes absolutely nuts, throwing throwing the box around whatnot, while David Crockett goes, oh, it's from your fan. You should say thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty amazing promo. But this was all for the build to a grudge blood feud at Snark883. And to begin the match... Both men have seconds, which I I actually wanted to look this up because I wasn't sure who this was. I thought this was uh, Valentine's father seconding him, but apparently, um, this is Starcade. This first Starcade was a lot like a little bit like Night of the Legends or your Slamberries, or you know when you bring back the old guys for you know an applause. And and in in Valentine's corner, he had Gary Royal and Billy Howard seconding him. Gary Royals, the guy with the luscious blonde hair and in the, in the weird tuxedo talking smack to Piper at the time. Uh, <laughs> he he apparently was a member of a stable called the convertible blondes with Pez Watley and Rip Rogers, which I, I got to find some tape of that. And Bill Howard was, was kind of a late, late sixties, early seventies wrestler, um, who Ox Baker had brought in as kind of a monster healer and Rod, Roddy Piper had, um, Rickhouse Brown, who was a uh, mid-card guy in 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 Charlotte, and uh, Vinny Valentine seconding him. So so they attach the dog collars and the chains, and and Gordon Sully, of course, Gordon Sully and Bob Cottle, who are your announcers mm-hmm. on this. Gordon Gordon Soley is is Gordon Sully with the history here, yeah. saying he cannot be impartial. Uh, obviously, and this is a reference to something that happened in Georgia wrestling where Ronnie Piper, who was the color commentator in the Georgia territory in 83, as he was going back and forth between Charlotte and Georgia, had saved him from an attack from a much smaller and almost unrecognizable magnificent Morocco at one time. So solely bringing that kind of history into it. Solely, I think, was there with an agreement with Georgia wrestling at the time, but don't quote me on that. But they get the collars attached And we start with a neck tug of war.
3: Yes, we do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Roddy Piper was staying in his corner, and like, they're not using their hands on the chains early. They're just trying to see who has the stronger neck. Right. And push and push and pull. And this poor Greg Valentine, who has a pretty thick neck, yeah, is wearing this dog collar, and it just looks like throughout the match, like he's struggling with this collar, as if it's too tight. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's already blown up because he's losing blood early. I mean, he gets bloodied up first in this one, right. as Roddy Piper is beating him down. And all I can think is, poor Greg Valentine's going to pass out because the collar's too tight.
2: Two, two, two things early in this match that I loved on on the on the on the uh, introductions by Tom Miller, I think, is the Greensboro. Uh, MC's name, the the kind of the eight bit pictures when they introduce him. You have Roddy Piper, the good boy sweater, the collared shirt, and Greg Valentine looks like he's been picked up on a DUI, just kind of staring into the camera. Which, which
3: by the way, is the natural <laughs> Greg Valentine look.
2: It is. Greg, I love Greg Valentine to death just because of his longevity in the business, but he had the personality of. A, and the look of a fire hydrant at times. So he just has kind of this glazed stare in the camera as he took his picture. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I've watched it at least 10 times and laughed every time. But the one thing that was really cool early in this match that I love, that, that kind of a little thing that people don't do anymore, is when Piper gets that first handful of chain and whips Valentine in the arm. And Valentine sells this. As ouch, that, that really stung. And he's kind of shaking out his arm like that. Guys don't do that in these kind of chain matches anymore because the, ch- the 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 dynamic of the chain match and the level of violence in the match has 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 kind of changed in terms of what's trying to be accomplished. And in, in this match, it's we're using the chain as a weapon to try and beat down our opponent to get the pin, as opposed to we're just tying each other to a chain and trying to hit the four corners as we go around. Um, but that was great. And then Valentine starts working over Piper's ear with this chain, yep. which had been damaged with the ring bell. And throughout the weeks of promos on both Georgia and the NWA heels had been going after the ear the whole time. Dick Slater had gone after it. There, there's a, there's a clip of, uh, Flair saving Piper from an attack from, Valentine and Jake the Snake Roberts who was visiting that week trying to go after the ear. And um, the ear had been a story for about 4 months if I recall uh, correctly. November Maybe. to
3: April, so I yeah, mean we're talking pretty yeah, 7 months there.
2: Yeah. So um and 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 you know they're they're kind of brawling using the uh it felt like a real fight with a chain like you'd wrap the wrist and you just do the one hit but it would also hurt your wrist or your hand at the same time so you'd only kind of do it once. Mhm. And, and you hit each other. Valentine gets busted open first uh, on the forehead. And then he goes into getting the heat on Piper by clubbing him in the ear over and over and then using the chain and clubbing him in the ear. And this just opens up a gusher on the side of Piper's head. And Soli and, and Cottle do such a great job of fearing for Piper's safety, you know, recalling the equilibrium problem, not being sure if he can stand with the power, you know, the only way he can stand is because he's being, um, a- attached with the chain. Piper does something really cool in this too. He, he uh, my favorite spot in the entire match is when Piper wraps the chain around the post to kind of pull. Yes. Pi- pull Valentine into the turnbuckle he, there. He's
3: Basically locking Valentine into the turnbuckle so he can't <sighs> escape. And then he would just, Pick and choose his shots, and that's where he bloodied up Greg Valentine.
2: Yeah, he okay. Yeah, he he'd do that. He'd punch him, and then the chain slack would get a little bit loose, and he'd tighten it again and pull him back into the corner. Go back and hit him, and hit him again. I want to see that spot in the next chain match, be it Rusev or Cena or whoever uses it. Use that. Well, the problem you'll sell me on the fight.
3: Yeah. Okay. And, you know, it, it's great work there because these were guys that were going in with the stipulation and they were using the psychology of the chain. I mean, you, we talked about how they started with the neck tug of war. And then we do the pulley little action there with mm-hmm. with hammer being stuck in the corner. And these guys were using the chain. It was a chain match. So they were using it. They weren't just wrestling, you know, with the chain on. It kind of broke into a wrestling match for a little bit there at the last portion. But otherwise, this was a fight where neither man can escape and they were tied together. And whoever made the best use of the chain was going to win.
2: Yeah, they were using it for choking. They were using it for just wrapping around a guy's various parts of his head and eyes and mouth and and pulling it. They were using it as brass knuckles. they were using it to whip a guy. I mean, it was great. And of course, yeah. Later, it, it's a fight that then breaks into a wrestling match as Gordon Gordon Sully gets to say souple a couple times, many times, yeah. <laughs> and and and, but but then it breaks into a fight again when when Piper just gets tired of getting beat up beaten down and just and just goes wild he goes wild because he
3: he had been busted open too and he was having the ear issues he's he's selling the equilibrium problem so he can't even stand up straight like he's flopping Mm -hmm. all over the ring he's trying to get up and he just can't do it playing off the whole ear storyline so eventually like a like a real fight piper gets the advantage and he capitalizes on it like he he gets the one up So he just has to go and he starts whipping and whipping and whipping Greg Valentine with the chain, eventually whipping him so much to the point where he thinks he can score a pin. He goes for the cover and he gets the one, two, three via whipping of the chain.
2: Oh, not only that, not only whipping of the chain, but when he wraps him up, he wraps the chain around his legs for extra leverage, kind of hog, hog tying him in order to get that leverage for the three count. And then, uh, Vinny and Brickhouse come in to celebrate with, with Roddy Piper for this victory. Um, Soli and Cottle are so excited. They forget it's a non-title match.
3: <laughs> yeah. Soley is, you know, he's complaining or not complaining, but claiming that as the U.S. heavyweight champion was Greg Valentine. And Roddy yeah. Piper gets the win. And they, the whole time, the whole match, Gordon Soley had thought the title was on the line. Because he was talking about how Roddy Piper could get this title back. The title that he <laughs> lost to Greg Valentine. So Piper gets the victory. And Gordon Soley is like, and we have, again, the new U- U.S. heavyweight champion. Roddy Piper gets the belt back. And then, like, a couple of moments later, as Piper is celebrating, as he's getting lifted up and there's no belt in play, Soley just kind of sticks it in there and throws it in that... I was incorrect. This match is not for the title. It's non-title. And then moves on. Like nothing and then ever the, happened. Well,
2: the thing that saves solely here is that Greg Valentine is a sore loser and is still has the chain attached to him, or at least has access to the chain. And so he beats up the geeks and then beats on Roddy Piper a little bit more yep. until Piper fights back. And then in a huge roar spot, to, you know, runs Valentine off. And to the loving adoration of the crowd does the swinging the chain above his head like he's a giant conqueror. Right.
0: We're going to become a couple of back whores, you see. That's kind of the nice part about having only one ear. Is If you only have one ear, you only have to listen to half of Valentine's baloney, man.
3: Yeah, this this was a fun match to watch. Oh, it goes about 16 it. minutes. I mean, you can watch some of the promos beforehand and afterwards, and it's just fun to get into the story. The Piper
2: um, promo afterwards during the Starrcade broadcast is really good.
3: Yeah, I, <laughs> this this was uh, definitely worthwhile as far as uh, watching it. You know, this was a match that they put on their top 100 to see before Piper passed away. Like, there's no doubt it would have been on the list, obviously, afterwards. I mean, this is one you go watch the whole Flair for the Gold. Why not? You know?
2: Well, there are a few slow parts in there, but it's, it's still watch
3: If you're going to watch four hours of SummerSlam this year, you can watch the two and a half hours of Starcade 83.
2: You can can watch, you know, Briscoe's versus Youngblood and Steamboat. That's fine. That's great. It's a good match. And, you know, Flair and Race and the other members of, you know, the Paul Jones stable and whatnot who fight in in this thing. Yeah, it's a fun old school pay-per-view. Go watch it.
3: Match number 67. The match we'll be talking about next week. And we hope all these participants are okay.
2: No way out. (laughs)
3: No way out. 2001. It is Steve Austin versus triple H. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this match at all? Vaguely. Do you remember the stipulation of this one?
2: No, I don't. That's a blur. It is three stages
3: of hell. Oh, okay. We are going to watch three stages of hell between Steve Austin and triple H from 2001 next week on shake them ropes. Episode 67. Uh, Before we go, Jeff, anything Mm -hmm. from this week in WWE you would like to uh, comment on?
2: I thought Raw was a particularly strong show. I, you know, from front to back, I'm still happy with what they're doing with the Divas. I'm, I loved what they did with Seth Rollins here. I thought that was pretty good. Um, and I'll leave it at that. We did get a
3: question on Twitter about, you know, obviously Neville opened the show and they did the whole mm -hmm. gimmick where Seth Rollins was trying to be sneaky to get El Torito into a title match by saying is his opponent had to be under six feet and under 200 pounds. So basically making it a joke. And then Neville answered and obviously commentary put it over. Like Neville was outsmarting Seth Rollins. Like he fits that. Not everyone's going to be over 200 pounds, you know, back in the day when they were announcing Spike Dudley at like 200 pounds, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not the current days. Uh, so Neville comes out. We had a question on Twitter, whether that hurt Neville more than it helped Neville. Uh, what do you think on that one?
2: It didn't hurt Neville, but it, Doesn't matter for Neville at the same time because he's going right into this feud with the arrow, with the arrow guy and stardust, which he'll win. So here's, I mean, he
3: came out on TV and yeah, they were trying to joke around Torito, but the way the announcers didn't joke about Neville being super small, the way he participated in that match, he gave a strong showing, which he did again in the past against John Cena as well. The people respect Neville because he's a high flyer. He does cool stuff. And he's respectable in the ring. He's never getting jobbed out. He's never losing in three minutes in an easy fashion. Like Neville's a guy that, you know, he's he's someone who is competitive in there, even though he may not win. But every once in a while, he'll get that surprise win. So you have to be still watching and paying attention to his matches. I don't think this hurt him at all. I think a match being in there with Seth Rollins only helps Neville.
2: I don't think it helps him either, though, because, you know, during the build of the Stardust match, there's going to be some sort of distraction finish or something that kind of screws. It's not going to, you know, know. I mean, let's put it this way. It's not going to push Neville into some sort of upper sphere. I I just
3: think it helps him because it adds to the body of work of Neville having good matches in the WWE ring against big stars. Um, I think Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, obviously a plus as we head into SummerSlam. Uh, We are going to talk more about SummerSlam on the next couple of Shake Them Ropes episodes, including episode number 100, where we'll do our preview for SummerSlam. Uh, That is it for this week. I hope everyone enjoyed Shake Them Ropes. Go out and watch some Roddy Piper stuff, right, Jeff?
2: Yes, and I have a plug. Uh, Saturday, I will be on Sheet Sandwich recording with Hugh and Les going over the UWF NWA merger and also the Crockett Cup 87. So that will come out sometime on Saturday. If you're a fan of Shake Them Ropes, go ahead and give us a follow. At
3: Shake Them Ropes on Twitter is myself and the show. Jeff is at Crap Game 13. Voices of Wrestling.com Slash STR is the website. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher any podcast player. Tune in radio, YouTube, and more. And if you're a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, catch our New Japan Recap videos at youtube.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Jeff and I will see you all next week on Shake Them Ropes. Roddy? Yeah,
0: Andre the Giant. They say a lot of things about Andre. Say things like the bigger they
1: are, the harder they fall, but you got to admit they don't fall so often. Uh, Andre has uh, gained a little weight and uh, he's as big as he's ever been. And how are you Uh, doing? Wait a minute, it was Rick Uh, Valentine. The U.S. heavyweight champ right here, Greg. First of all, I'd like to ask him, what is he doing out here, commentating over my match? The people out there don't need to listen to your lies. He's been a gentleman. You want to look at the belt, huh? You want to look at the brand new belt the NWA uh, made for me, huh? I didn't make it for you, and I wasn't lying. As a matter of fact, I thought you did... Uh, Magnificent job there with that young fella.
0: You he put, even you, commented about that. As yeah, I say, he was very complimentary yeah, to and you, you, You
1: say that you're the most oh, successful oh, U.S. Oh, champion, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's easy to be the most successful U.S. champion if you never put your belt up. <laughs> yeah. What about that, Greg? Well, wait a minute, Piper. I've wrestled them all. I've wrestled Wall McDaniel. I've wrestled Mulligan. I've wrestled you. I've wrestled Ric Flair. I've wrestled Ricky Steamboat. The list goes on of United States heavyweight champions. And I am the greatest. All you gotta do is go around and grab some magazine, ask Bob Connell, go ask Jimmy Crockett, go ask anybody. But don't ask yourself, because your, your opinion doesn't mean anything to me. Piper, let me ask you something. You used to have this belt, right? Would you like to have it back? Yes, I would like to have it back. You're telling me, okay, you're telling everybody out there that I'm the greatest champion of all time because I don't put my belt up? Well, I'm gonna put my belt up. If you've got enough gut, you know, I, first of all, I think you're all mouth. But if you've got enough guts, Piper, listen to me now, don't get mad. Just listen to what i got to say. Go out to your car or go back to the dressing room. Get your wrestling gear, understand? Get your wrestling gear. You say I've got no guts. You say I won't put the U.S. belt on the line. I'll put it on the line right now.
0: Right now on TV. Right now. You, right now.
1: you want to... I just wrestled this big fat wrestler out here. Now, if you want to wrestle me, you go out and get your stuff. I'll wrestle you. You're on, Tootsie. Farmer's Insurance knows that when you're in the car and that song comes on... No, not that one. Ah, yes, that's the one. You have no choice but to pull out your imaginary drumsticks and smash those cymbals and stomp on that kick pedal. Which unfortunately is also known as the accelerator pedal. And we covered it. At Farmers, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Click for more. We are
0: farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
2: Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.